welcome to Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're going to have John Parenti on the Miami Dolphins lead on nutrition. John brought a tremendous amount of information in this podcast. This was an absolute banger of a podcast, bringing a lot of context, a lot of grounding to the depth and the just how got in the weeds I got within the module on this one. I went into relativity. I went through some really deep practical examples. So this is a really good conversation to have to hopefully bring us back down to earth on a concept like nutrient timing. So if you haven't gone over to phpodcast.com, we have a full on curriculum for you, the user, to get the most from these conversations that we have. So John is the fourth installment of our nutrient timing module, which we go through principles, practical case study, which is only featured on the website. And this goes into the whole other cascade of courses you get. So not only do we go through nutrition at a pretty high level, we have 11 modules that we're going through on a, on a quarterly basis. We also have modules on coaching. We have modules on training. We have modules on movement. So the biggest thing for you, the user, is to get as much into every one of those topics as you possibly can, and then tie that in all together to get on the forum where you can ask me questions, you can ask other coaches questions. We got a great network, a great community going on at the PH Podcast family. So as you get over there, ask all the questions you want. Wow, it went really deep here. Can you elaborate more on that? Happy to do so. Get on phpodcast.com, PH Curriculum really, really help yourself become the best coach you can possibly be. Also, we have Strength Deficit, the book, the technical guide is now is available at phpodcast.com as well as Amazon. And if you got the book, you understand just how technical and how deep we went in that book. So you're going to need the companion guide, the course, Practical Guide to Strength Deficit, which is featured at phpodcast.com. You can get that as a supplemental form to learn how to implement strength conditioning or strength deficit within your setting. So Strength Deficit, the book, available at phpodcast.com. Strength Deficit, the course, also available at phpodcast.com on top of the curriculum you got pretty much every tool you ever need to be an amazing strength coach right now right in your back pocket right here at phpodcast.com finally i want to give a big thanks to realize.me this is your command center for all health and wellness data this is where you're going to go to to create dashboards experiments get access to discounted supplements and sequestering labs so you can tie that all into there everything you got from a wearable everything you got from tracking your training perspective or heart rate and on top of your labs you can pump it all right in there to that realized platform create experiments really see the efficacy and the value of your interventions you're making with yourself as well as your clients i use it with everyone i work with tremendous tool highly recommend it realize.me your command center for all health and wellness status performance without further ado let's get john on the call let's talk about some nutrient timing again make sure you head over to phpodcast.com to get the full value of what we're going to be talking about today all right see you on the other side Okay. Hi, everybody. I got John Parenti here, the nutritionist for the Miami Dolphins. John, take a second, introduce yourself, tell everybody what you're about and where you came from and all the good stuff that we want to hear. Oh, yeah. Tim, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, just so everyone knows, this is my second podcast I've ever done. So, you know, happy to do it, man. Um, so, no, I was real happy to, that you reached out to me to be on here. Um, it is an honor to, you know, talk to you. I followed your stuff on Instagram and everything on social media. And, you know, I like the stuff that you post. So I was real excited to kind of get on here and uh, join you. So, but a little bit about me, uh, you know, originally from Lubbock, Texas. Um, grew up there my entire life. And I actually, you know, interesting story I like to tell people is that, um, you know, when I was in the fifth grade, I 
one of my Christmas presents was a Gold's Gym membership. So this is how everything kind of started for me. <laughs> so I was in the fifth grade at Gold's Gym, uh, just tried lifting weights, benching a barbell and, you know, seeing where that could take me. But no, nah, man, this is, uh, it, it, it all kind of started for me kind of in the weight room, getting into nutrition. Um, a question I like to ask everyone in the nutrition field is kind of how they got into it. Um, I always kind of find it as a really interesting story um, to see how people really get into nutrition, um, whether it's through food experiences, whether it's through, you know, challenges they went through. I always kind of find that, you know, really interesting and intriguing how people kind of find their way into that or this particular field. So, um, you know, for me, it kind of started in the weight room. Uh, and so I kind of just, obviously, I've been told you, man, it was fifth grade. It was when I got my gym membership. And um, yeah, I just kind of saw really kind of how, you know, nutrition can really impact, um, you know, performance and everything. Not, I mean, not at fifth grade, I was taking creatine or anything like that, you know what I mean? But like, just being in the weight room, you know, seeing how like, you know, lifting weights and strength conditioning and all that stuff can change performance and being just a young athlete in general. Um, it always kind of intrigued me, but really, uh, the nutrition part of it really started in my high school career when I was playing football. I made a change my junior year to eat a little bit better and kind of focus on nutrition and kind of take out, you know, going to McDonald's and ordering off the dollar menu. And so I'd started to go home a lot more for lunches and obviously dinners and all that stuff and just kind of cleaned up everything. And I just felt a lot better. And that's also where I started kind of tinkering around with like supplements and taking creatine and looking into you know, it'll explode. And obviously it's not the greatest thing or whatever, but like, um, for me, it was just like, okay, if I can take this, how is it going to improve that? And how is it going to make me better? And, you know, my goal was always to play college, obviously, or college ball that never panned out, but like, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because it led me to the, the sports nutrition aspect. And so I, I felt a lot better going into my senior year. I just felt like my, you know, conditioning was a lot better. Um, and so I just, after college ball, like wasn't going to be a thing. I was just like, you know, I, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I like doing. I, I enjoy lifting weights. I like strength conditioning. I also like nutrition too. Um, but I didn't know that sports nutrition was an actual profession. I mean, this was 2008 at the time and I'm like, you know, I went to school at Nebraska um, and I was actually doing a tour for like my orientation and they showed us the Memorial Stadium and they showed us all the offerings and whatnot. And, you know, we walked past the nutrition stand um, in the stadium and I was like, ah, oh, this is really cool that they have this. And I guess it was kind of a kismet type thing where I met a buddy of mine, Scott Troush, who's a director at Kansas State uh, for nutrition. And, you know, a buddy of mine just kind of was you know, ran into him and he was like, you know, I, I volunteer for nutrition department at Nebraska. And I was like, okay. you know, <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it started for me. I did five years at Nebraska. It was a great time for me. I got an extra football season, which was always, which is always good. Um, after that, after I graduated, um, I got an internship at Alabama. Uh, it was a for very, very fortunate opportunity for me. Um, worked there for three years, did my master's in dietetic internship at Texas Tech. Um, first full-time job at the University of Louisville, working with their football program. Um, and then that following year, I got a really great opportunity to become the director of nutrition at Minnesota. 
um, kind of start a sports nutrition program there, you know, be involved in uh, building a dining hall there, which was an awesome challenge in itself and also just another you know, great opportunity. Um, and then now I'm, you know, with the Miami Dolphins, which um, is something that I've always, you know, wanted to do in my career, which is, you know, work at the professional level and, um, you know, just work with great people, work for a great organization. So uh, honestly, man, I couldn't be more happier with where I am right now. Sorry to get a little long-winded on that no, one. but I, I, think it, I think it's an amazing story. And I love the, the aspect of, you know, why'd you get into nutrition? Uh, and immediately when you're bringing up your story, I was like, oh man, it's a, almost verbatim mine, right? Like I'm um, lifting weights, football. And eventually it became I'm lifting weights and football is a hindrance to lifting weights. And, uh, mm-hmm. and nutrition, I think I just knew right away, like I like this aspect of it more than, and probably I wasn't that good at football either, so it probably helped the cause. Uh, but from that perspective of like this constant like tinkering, right? Like if you have like a curious mind or if you're you know, just motivated and like intrinsically to go out there and do it, like mm. you have these things out there, you're like it's Pandora's box constantly. Like, okay, I can do this amount of calories or I can do this amount of macronutrients or I can use these supplements combined with this program. And man, it's just, you know, that, that like, organic response to something to help you with something else and then that gravitated and become like your focal point like plus two man like cutting your teeth in a gold's gym i'm sure in lubbock texas like i would imagine is like you know like a pretty gnarly place to get like your 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 feet wet into like lifting weights and on top of it like learning nutrition you probably got some extreme ends of the spectrum of like yeah you're having like 500 grams of protein a day taking this much milligrams of dianabol versus like all yeah. you need to do is Smith machine incline bench, you know, like such extreme, like polarizing opinions on like what you should be doing. And, yeah. uh, and I think it's, I think as like a young person trying to like decipher what all this means, like it's almost better if you get like extreme like versions of whatever it is, cause you can kind of pull back unless you go on the other yeah. level of just almost go like verbatim on what those guys are doing and you're too far deep. But you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely know what the upper limits of growing up in a goals gym, seeing a guy there doing a body part split training from like 2 PM to 8 PM every single afternoon while his kids are in daycare and he's just neglecting his family. Like just how deep you can go here. Right. And like, you know, and then the other elbow too is like you go to college and, and you start to like use that as like, I'm, I'm sure it's very similar. Like you grow up in a goals gym, like, or any other like commercial gym and then you go to college and you find like, what is my like centering point here? Like, well, I can always go weights and lift train for an hour. And then I can always use meals and nutrition and supplementations to kind of like align me. Right. Cause it's such a confusing and like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? And you find these centering points. And I find still to this day, like I, even with being a small business owner or a college trained coach or working like various rivals, like avenues, it's like, all right, controlling what I eat and controlling what I do in the weight room is always going to be something I can grab onto. Yeah, uh, and, and the more effort I put into it, the more I get out of it, which is I mean, how many things in life can be that. So, um, but to the point of that, of like the reason why I actually, I got in charge of nutrition at Georgia Tech uh, was because I was like taking a supplement outside of what we're giving the tech guys. And like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you look like you know what you're talking about nutrition wise. And it was like, at that point, like, you know, what I got from basic nutrition and undergrad as well as like, kind of bro science of like reading flex magazines and like, oh take bio tests and whatever was popular at the time like and yeah. like oh you look like you're interested in this so there's no one doing it 
So would you be interested in doing it? And then it starts, right? And then you're, you know, three years later, you're running a nutrition program at Georgia Tech and you're like, wow, how did this manifest? How does this like place with this much resources just defaulting to the guy who seems the most interested? And I think it happens quite a bit in terms of strength conditioning and you kind of like leverage it and okay, like, all right, like, well, I have so much exposure to the guys, I'm interested into it. But then if you really start to evaluate it, like who's, who's evaluating me on this if I'm doing a good or bad job? And then you start to really think about it of like, what is a good or bad job in nutrition, getting small wins or big body composition transformations or helping someone from a performance standpoint, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as you start to grow into that role, like you, you just, you learn, right? Much like we we're in fifth grade at Gold's Gym, trying to figure out what to do on Monday when all the bench presses are taken, like, all right, like I'm going to go over here to this machine, like and figure it out. And like, same thing when you take over nutrition, yeah. like, you have that origin of like really understanding like all right everything's going to be a work in progress and like you learn the hard way of like just because i don't know everything or i'm not good at it right now doesn't mean i can't get better at it uh, and i think that's where you learn that and like literally gold's jam at 13 years old right like yeah. you're such a small fish in a, a big pond with imposing figures and like it, it's it's a it's a chasm and a threshold with most most people at that age like i don't know if like it's going to resonate with you know and that's a pretty cool like all right, like I, you default to what you know and what you're comfortable with and what you're good at and you get to college in Nebraska, like that resonates with me for some reason. And boom, here you are, what, almost 10 years later now. Yeah, almost. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I felt like I I grew up in like the bodybuilding culture. It's like, you know, it was like old school Gold's Gym, like jade plates and, you know, purple benches and, decline benches everywhere and it's like all the the photos of like our Arnold Schwarzenegger and whatnot and all those bodybuilders at that time and it was just like I don't know I, I loved it it was grimy it was the benches were broken they had to be duct taped on it was it was awesome actually <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll get into it the nutrient timing so the the, the discussion point here guys is going to be about nutrient timing but man that that starts with bodybuilding right like nutrient timing is a bodybuilding thing like just organically invented to maximize recovery, maximize protein synthesis and, and building muscle, right? For hundred percent aesthetic reasons. But that same, like that same science got pulled over into performance, right? Like the same mm-hmm. concept of like anabolism and preventing catabolism, like these like cliche terms you probably read in flex magazine. Like that has a lot of origin stories within what we do, but like, man, like the things that even at the highest level, like, I mean, I, I try to go as far back as I possibly can. And there's some really cool resources like Muscle Smoke and Mirrors, Yorktown, Pennsylvania, Bill Starr's work, like uh, a guy named Dr. Mara Pasquale, like all these guys, like even like, um, you know, Dr. Hatfield and all these guys have like, you know, kind of like crossover, powerlifting, weightlifting, bodybuilding, like very Renaissance like people, but nutrition for all of those guys, like in a sense of like aesthetically pleasing so they could be like really strong and robust in their particular event or sport, but they were body compositionally really, really good because that mattered. And I mean, it's gotten very specialized where you can be, you know, 400 pounds with awful body composition, but press a lot of weight off your chest and you can be successful in your own right. But I mean, 30 years ago, like the best in every single endeavor between powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, like even Highland games, like these guys were really influenced nutritionally on, you know, bodybuilding and, I think that permeated, you know, college and fishing and you can go back as far back as reading like 
Husker power and looking at some of the stuff, you know, coach Epley was doing with nutrition and like the stuff that even nutrition department was building out there. Like Nebraska is the first ever college nutrition program, like for performance, right? Like not only is the first strength conditioning, like how much of that is like body composition focus and looking at from what bodybuilders are doing. Like, let's just try to reincarnate that and find some evidence to support this and some stuff stuck and some stuff. Okay. That was not really a great idea and probably countless number of supplements and silly protocols to do, but you know, the, the backbone of that is a lot of trial and error with some bodybuilders. So it's like, and you know, the, the, I guess the, the cultural fit behind that is like, you know, they do what works. Um, and there's a lot of peer evaluation. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence and there's some serious flaws with that, but they're not going to do something if it doesn't work for very long, you know? So there's something in terms of like the actual foundational piece of that. And then hopefully research comes up to cooperate that, but you know, I, man like you in a bodybuilding experience like from a nutritional standpoint like from the supplements we take from performance we take do or like that like mm-hmm. you know there, there's synergy there there's like a really interesting backstory um so um i, I kind of want to get into the conversation on nutrient timing uh if if you could how would you define nutrient timing and like what does it mean to you in your practice so nutrient timing to me um to make it easy nutrient timing to me that's just what it is you're trying to maximize you know from a performance standpoint the nutrients you're taking in but also having a goal in mind um so yeah leveraging macronutrients to reach a specific goal you know like for me when you're looking at you know that aspect if you're working with you know linemen or someone who's looking to try to gain weight like obviously like their nutrient timing needs are going to be far different than you know anyone in the skill position and i think you know you said it best in your article that you know sometimes we try to blanket everything too much or like you know what was it specifically you know you're trying to what works for one you know general population or what works for athletes isn't going to exactly work for everyone because sometimes i think we get stuck in you know, that mindset all the time, whatever we should do from an athletic standpoint is, you know, what the general population should do. But like, um, to me, um, nutrient timing is just, you know, looking at that aspect of it is, you know, it's one part of their specific routine, their daily routines. 
you know, outside of sleep and, you know, what their other meals look like. It's just that one specific part leading up to training. And when I, you know, try and teach our guys specifically nutrient timing is it's looking at the aspect of, you know, around training times, you know, it's not a complete, you know, 24 hour type thing. It can be, if you look at it from like growth phase perspective and, you know, refeeding after training and all that kind of stuff, it can be, but we're looking at, you know, just specifically training. And I tell them like, Hey, let's block out, you know, or look at it this way from like a block perspective. Like if you were to think about it, like a workout, you got block a, which is your warm up, block B, which is, you know, your, your main lifts or your warm up, And then block C is your, your main, you know, lifts and meat and potatoes and that kind of stuff. Same thing with nutrition. You can look at it from that perspective. Okay. So you train in the morning block one is your nutrient timing routines. It doesn't make sense for you to come and wake up and, you know, make eggs and bacon and French toast and have that 30 minutes before you go lift. Okay. You're one, you're probably not going to feel great. Um, it's probably going to have to be the best thing for you at that specific time. Going back to what nutrient timing is, it's all about the timing aspect of it. But if you're an early morning trainer, boom, let's look at something that you can take that's easily, easily digested. It's mainly carbohydrates because that's the emphasis of what you're going into for that specific training session. And then let's look at the recovery options after that. So it's just an A and B type scenario for me. Now, if you're looking to gain a little bit more mass or, you know, or looking at the, the timing of the training session, if it's going to go a little bit longer, then we can look at some intra, you know, carbohydrates in at that specific time. And then look at the recovery options after that. So it's, you know, it's an individualized thing. It can't be just blanketed for everyone. Although I will say in a team style setting, I think you have to have somewhat, somewhat of a blanketed mindset. You know, it, I hope that doesn't come across wrong because when you're working with in a team setting, you have to have options for everyone. So it's almost like a from a visual standpoint, it can look blanketed like, Hey, this is what everyone is getting. But at the same time, you're also looking at different types of preferences for people. Like, um, you know, some people hate gels. Some people like applesauce, some people like fruit snacks and in the media and whatever fruit snacks may be perceived as like the devil or something. But you know, if you have a 185 pound wide receiver that who needs to gain weight, doesn't like to take anything else, you know, if you look at what fruit snacks actually are, it's the simple carbohydrates going into a workout session. Like it might make sense for that person, but that doesn't make sense for someone else who you might be trying to, you know, look at for body composition or just like lifestyle habits. You know, if you're trying to get them to limit like excess sugars and, you know, all these other added calories and change behaviors, then, that option may not be the best thing for that person, but that's just where the relationships and the communication and the education part of it really kind of comes into play. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where to me, um, that part of it matters from that, the relationship part of it. But then going back to the science part of it, understanding the nutrient timing part, you know, like I said, I'm not going to have a spread of just like whole breakfast items or anything like that. Like a hey, pre-exercise, but, you know, going back to understanding nutrient timing, I'm going to have options available that meet the scientific part of it. So to me, like, sorry to get long winded on that, but like, to me, that's what nutrient timing is in its simplest terms. It's just, you're trying to maximize 
the nutrient the nutrients you want to get at specific times to reach a specific goal. So, you know, that's what I try and preach to our guys is, you know, that, that part of their routine is the nutrient timing part of it. And it's one of the ones that I kind of start off with um, from like an education part of it. Hydration probably being number one, just because it's simply where we are. You have to have water for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an essential nutrient in itself. But then piggybacking off and going into nutrient timing. And just um, to me, I think when you look at your day and when you're structuring someone's routine and you're structuring, you know, their lifestyle habits, starting with the training part of it. You know, some guys, they're so off with routine. They're like, they don't know where to start because they're talking to this person, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're reading this, they're doing all this random stuff. And they're kind of just leaving their own life to chance, which is what you don't want to have happen. So uh, from an education standpoint, like where nutrient timing helps me out is just like, okay, like what time are you lifting at? Okay. What, what time are you specifically training? And so if it's, let's, you know, say the morning, for example, that's an easy thing for me. Cause it's like, okay, well, what time are you waking up? Well, what time are you doing this? What time are you hydrating? What, what is, what does that whole process look like from the time you wake up to the time you go into the gym? All right. You do absolutely nothing. All right. Well, let's start with just, let's drink water first thing in the morning. Then let's think of something that you can take before you go into workout. So you're not just going on empty every single time. And then look at that. Can you complete that? Okay, good. We have that accomplished. What does the rest of your routine look like? What does your meal routine look like? throughout the day. So again, sorry to get long winded with it, but that's just where nutrient timing really kind of helps me out in terms of, you know, helping educate them on the, that routine part of it. Cause I think especially with professional athletes and you probably get a lot of exposure and experience with this too, is, um, or guys coming to you asking you for help. It's always kind of going back to the routine part of it. They're such creatures of habits. And if you can get them to, you know, do something that they're going to buy into. And that's all predicated based on, you know, the relationship that you have with them. Um, you know, that's just, it helps out. If you can help their, their training and performance out to me, check that box. They're probably going to be able to do, you know, or they're probably willing to do something else that you advise them to do too. You know what I mean? Like, Oh man, I felt great during that workout. All right. Well, what else can I do? What else you got for me? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, well, let's look at your post-recovery meal or let's, you know, look at, you know, your meal prep type thing. Like what, what does that whole day look like? So that's kind of the angle that I take on it. So, you know, one of the cool things I thought you were really centering in on there was this idea of the structure and routine to your day. And, uh, and, and I kind of want, I'm, I'm goading on this one because like, you know, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, is there like an element of where am I going to get more return on my investment for my time. So like a workout, a practice, you know, these are the moments that are hopefully like catalytic or like the biggest rate progressors to where we want to be and centering those as the focal points of the day and building in the stuff around it. Right. So like, for instance, like if a guy needs to gain weight, like he needs to get as many good quality workouts as possible. Uh, and how do we do that? We just, build in the things that go in before that. And we do the things after that really, really well. And then say, that's just our focus, right? We're going to have myopic focus of this. 
and then we're going to make a concentric circle off of that. But, you know, step one is get a great workout. And then we want to build out a great training program that's centered off his movement capabilities and his needs, but then building it around to nutritional support that builds in the front end and the back end. Uh, and, and it feels like, you know, I think in terms of like nutrient timing itself, like we can almost like reverse engineering what nutrient timing is. It's like, it's taking these things that we hopefully are going to have big compounding interest from and then making it more right. Like getting more value from that thing. So we can get more recovery, we can get better performance and we can still recover from them. And then the path to point B, which is something right. Gain weight, improve body composition, run faster, jump higher, like all these things. Mm-hmm. We get more out of that. And we hope we get net closer to that faster. Uh, is that like, is that resonate at all? Does that think in terms of like that wavelength? Like you're looking at like, I have this person who needs to gain weight or he needs to run faster or be more resilient. Okay. Where's the biggest area? Like even if he's like coming off an injury, like he goes to rehab at this time every single day, like, like do I build it off? And this is the most important thing he needs to be in right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. Um, it's sorry. Like, well, excuse me if I'm understanding this correctly. So, looking at specifically nutrient timing and what's going to be the most important thing for them. Correct. My understanding that. All right. So, um, especially like you bring up like injury, like an injury and recovery and all that stuff like that's to me, that's huge, especially for, you know, because if you look at like specifically when like injured guys, you know, they come off, you know, not doing anything for, I mean, that can range from, you know, two weeks to, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, you know, whatever their recovery time is. Um, And then getting them back into the weight room, I kind of think that's, you know, it's not always return to play sometimes, but it's return to lifting, return to conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of these guys, what sometimes they don't understand is, you know, they get used to that two to three weeks of like, lounging, not doing anything and, you know, missing out on the windows of like eating in its, in itself. So, um, you kind of have to retrain that behavior and we're like, you know, nutrient timing specifically helps out with that is just like, you know, when they get back into the weight room, it's like, okay, now we kind of have to like retrain like your habits, like getting nutrients in and not just, you know, training off of nothing per se, you know what I mean? So, um, but like, you know, from, on the other side of the spectrum, when you're looking at someone who needs to like gain weight, lose weight, um, at that to me is, you know, you're looking at, and I agree with you and what you say in like your, your article is you have to kind of individualize it a little bit because sometimes it's like, it, you're not, and for us, like we can't do like blood work, like for everyone and look at, you know, every single value. I mean, we do like when we get the, like our physicals and whatnot and look at that specific thing. But like if someone is insulin resistant, I'm not going to completely carb load them, you know, on the front end because that doesn't match with their one that doesn't match, you know, what am I trying to say? That doesn't specifically match like there's their needs. You know what I mean? That's not going to be beneficial. It's going to be counterproductive to what, you know, your trying to do you might actually put them at risk and put them at harm you know what i'm saying so um i think that's it's kind of hard to do when you look at you know or when you're trying to get um 
when you can't get like lab values and all that kind of stuff, but like, that's where, you know, you kind of have to talk to them and maybe, you know, look at, okay, they're bigger guys, maybe something that you had to be a little bit more conscious of, um, especially, you know, we're trying to educate them on just eating overall better in a sense, you know, those meals afterwards, um, are something like, okay, Hey, we can hit you high glycemic on the front end. And I'm like, I'm going to educate or talk to them in that way. But like, Hey, you know, we want to get a little, you know, a little bit of carbohydrates going into this session, but Hey, let's look at, you know, maybe some lower glycemic foods afterwards to maybe, you know, help out from recovery, body composition, you know, those kinds of things. So the other end of the spectrum, when you got someone who's small, scrawny guy, you know, normal, yeah, that's where you talk to them like, hey, these carbohydrates are going to help. We can look at an intra-carbohydrate to kind of help out with um, getting added calories, also the carbohydrates for beneficial for, you know, that specific training session and then afterwards and, you know, getting that insulin spike and all that kind of stuff to kind of help with increasing hunger afterwards. It's almost like you're trying to get them to eat like strong men. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> anything you can do, you know, have orange juice with a meal, right? Make you a little bit hungrier, drink orange juice, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, one of the things I, I, I kind of want to go into, um, cause I, I think the, the elephant in the room when you're thinking nutrient timing is just when you're timing carbohydrates, really? Like, I don't think anyone consciously thinks about when we're timing fat or protein. Yeah. I think it's pretty much universal. Like it is what it is. It's taken in. Uh, so I want to create this like, this direction of this conversation of like your setting is getting guys practicing and playing at a high level versus in a setting like maybe mine, which is working with general populations. Like it's not as important if they perform, it's more important how they look and how they feel. So I can be a little bit more, I guess, creative with how I utilize carbohydrates. But one of the areas that we always talk about specifically here is like, you want to get more from your workouts, it's a pretty simple fix. You're not eating enough carbohydrates. And we know that from performance level because right. anaerobic work is, is ATP driven, which is the derivative of glucose. And it's like, it's yeah. pretty simple. Like, and you know, there have been times and I have some body compositional guys I work with in terms of offensive linemen specifically. And like, mm. and I, like we got a window here, like we get to camp and we're still trying to go a lower carbohydrate approach. Like we failed, like bottom line, we missed the window of opportunity to do that. So nutrient timing on a more macro scale, looking at like an annual chart of like, we got this window from here to here, but as soon as you start making your way to OTAs, if we're going a low carb approach from that, like you're going to suck and you're going to get cut or you're going to get hurt. Like you're going to get hamstring or something because you're going to overstride and you're not going to be in a good position because you don't have the prerequisite energy to do this. And like yeah. from the premise of that, like, you know, I think like there's a level of like a performance is performance. Like, and if you look at like yeah. how we create ATP, you know, from an anaerobic perspective, like, it's glucose driven, like, and we need to get glucose in, uh, versus like, you know, like on the other end of the spectrum, if I got someone in my setting, who's 40 years old, who wants to lose some weight, like we're going to drop a lot of high glycemic carbs. We're going to maybe include some more lower glycemic carbs, but man, like I can get away with not eating as much carbohydrates because it doesn't really matter the direct performance. As long as we get into the bottom line, they improve the body composition, and the body mass. Uh, but I don't have that overhanging, like, seal it or that like thing of like wow okay if they don't practice at a high level today or if they don't perform at a high level today like mm -hmm. they're potentially out of a job or they're at risk of getting hurt you know so the the context of like the let's start creating this like thought of like i'm going back to even sort of the bodybuilding aspect of like we're not cutting for shows we're trying to win football games versus like 
what a guy might interpret that as is like, well, I want to get as ripped as, you know, like the most ripped guy in the Miami Dolphins. Like, oh, mm-hmm. one, he's got different metabolism, different genetics, but two, like, and he's practicing and, and having high level activity for multiple hours of a day. Like, it's a different context whatsoever. Like, you sitting in a desk chair for eight hours a day and you're doing a one hour workout mm-hmm. after work, like, completely different spectrum. So it's like, okay. And not to mention, too, he's been doing that for how many years versus this guy's like just starting an exercise regimen. Like, you know, so if we can start going into like nutrient timing and I kind of want to go into this level of like, you know, nutrient timing specific to your setting and like the thought of like, hey, carbohydrates pre, intra and post are really important because we're a glucose driven sport. We're anaerobic, alactic, that we need as much ATP present as possible uh, versus, you know, maybe my setting where I can kind of squeeze out stuff like, all right, let's go this. And the other back end, I'll go into this afterwards. is like, you know, the blood work and the stuff like that, which I think is going to be an important part. Uh, just, you know, I, I hopefully we have some sort of like uh, more digestible and practical solutions and just relying on blood work. Cause you're right. Like that's a really, really big like threshold across to get blood work. And plus there's a scope of practice aspect of that too. And hopefully it's yeah. a lot more obvious than probably looking at someone's blood digest. Someone's yeah. 30, 30 BMI, they probably have high cholesterol. Like I'm probably going to go ahead and assume that it's a safe bet and they're probably insulin resistant. Yeah. However, it's nice to have it. It's just not on all be all. But let's start with the performance and specifically of like where carbohydrates really are like the foundational piece for what you have to do with your setting, regardless if they're a body compositional guy or, or right. a skill guy or whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, for us down here, uh, in like for our practices, yeah, like, I mean, it, the carbohydrate piece of it is something that we preach a lot. Um, I, I probably can't overemphasize it enough. It's something that we just like, you guys have to make sure that you get enough carbohydrates into your system. Because I think just walking around like the, our meal room and just like hearing what guys like do, it's just like, God, you know for sure that they're not getting enough. And then you can just see it when they just like are completely dead on the field or they come in and they're like, just they have this defeated look of like, and granted, it's like 110 degree like heat index outside there for pads. And it's just like, <laughs> that plays a part into it as well. But like, the overall, like, I, they can't finish practice, they're, they're cramping, they feel completely depleted, they're weighing in the next day of, like, two pounds under, like, that's why we stress it so much, and that's why it's important for us, and that's why we have, you know, we set out on, like, our pre-practice tables a lot of carb-dense type stuff, like, we utilize you can probably more more that's the one supplement that we utilize more than any other supplement that we use just because it's something that's important to us we value it and part of that nutrient timing piece of it is just something that's just you know it's kind of like the the backbone or the bread and butter of kind of you know what we do because from a practice standpoint like in at our level it's what can we do and what resources can we provide to get the players to practice because if they're not practicing to us, that's not that's not a good thing, especially if you're a practice squad guy. It's literally in your title, your practice squad. If you're not practicing, that's not good. So for for us, it's just again, like I said, you know, just setting up those resources to help them to get to practice. And sometimes for us to get through practice, because that's a challenge in itself, is fighting in 110 degree heat with full pads on, especially during training camp, you know, that's it's huge. 
And then for us, uh, we'll, I mean, also providing carbohydrate-based stuff out on the field, something that's just simple, tastes good, and that's going to be effective. Um, you know, chews are always going to be really popular. Like I said, I, I think I mentioned fruit snacks earlier or just like any other type of supplemental chew or gel or liquid-based carbohydrate that they're going to consume that's palatable, you know they're going to like, that they're going to, you know, take. But again, I said that some of them are real scared of carbohydrates, like depending on where they come from or, you know, it, it, like you, you mentioned aesthetics. Um, if they're trying to, you know, get a six pack shredded in season, I'm always like, well, yeah, yeah, you might be a piece of beef jerky at that time, but I don't know how well you're going to perform. Um, and I always just try and tell them too, like, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, like you think of going back to bodybuilding, how did they get that way? I mean, they're dehydrated by the time they get to the show and that they're at their leanest, like they're so dehydrated. It's nuts. Like go talk. Like I want to bring in a bodybuilder and be like, Hey, talk about your whole entire preparation. What's the worst part? What's the worst phase? <laughs> it's the cutting phases. They enjoy the bulking phase because that's when they get huge. And that's when, you know, they get to eat, you know, when they don't get to eat and they have to take out sodium they have to take out all this other stuff. Like that's not fun. Like, do you really want to live that life of trying to achieve aesthetics? Like, no, like, do you have the, the question you should be asking yourself, do you have the genetic makeup to do it or not? Most of the time it's, it's that answer. But, um, for us, it's, you know, it's like, you're here to play football. Okay. You're not here to be a bodybuilder. You're not here to get a six pack. You're here to play football. That's what you're getting paid to do. So for, you know, for us, it's you know, that nutrient timing part of it with, you know, whether it's you can or any of the others, you know, products that we provide, like that's just a huge piece of it. And when it comes to the dining hall and educating them, it's like, Hey, this is how things should look. Um, this is your, this is what the emphasis should be. Like choose these sources for, you know, carbohydrates, whether it's potatoes, rice, pasta, like boom, boom, boom. Like here's your stations where you need to be hitting to maximize your time to get these resources. So um, but yeah, that's, that's just the education piece and knowing how to talk to them about that too, because not every conversation is going to be completely the same. Some guys are just so oblivious to nutrition that they just think pasta is pasta and it's, you know, they have no idea that it's a carbohydrate or, you know, they have no idea what it does for you. They have, you know, they've just been doing what they've been doing. Cause some of them, some guys you get in that they've just been surviving off of two meals a day. Um, some of them come from really good colleges that, um, you know, have a nutrition program and they're pretty well versed in it. Um, but then the college realm is completely different. You know, you get guys that, you know, you've had experience with it too. They just have no idea. They've only survived off of one meal a day or they've only, you know, that's all they know. Um, so it's sometimes just retraining habits and reach retraining a mindset to get them to do what you want them to do and having them understand that this is for a specific reason. Like, you know, like what you read in a magazine sometimes isn't, you know, going to be what you think it is. A lot of the stuff is Photoshopped. Okay. Don't, or the person you look up to say it's a wide receiver looks at the like Larry Fitzgerald, like he's just a genetic freak show. Like, he is not you. Like I'm not putting you down by any means, but like that type of person is, you know, he's got a different, different genetic makeup. He has his own routine. He does his own thing. He invests in himself. 
with nutrition and all those other things, you know, you're completely different. We have to retrain some things, you know, we have to change your mindset and so on and so forth. So it's, you know, sometimes they look at a pre-practice table and they're just like, nah, I'm good. But it's like, sometimes you have to let them fall on their feet first. And it's like, for us, it's easy here because it's like when you train and you don't have any food in your system, you try and survive the heat and the practice or two hour practice. Like that's going to be really challenging for you to do. And then they come in, they're like, they're cramping. They have no idea why it's like, well, I hydrated or it's not just about hydration. It's not just about what you've had for breakfast that particular day. It's the days, the weeks, and everything else leading up to that specific, you know, practice or day. It's an accumulation effect, you know, and for training camp, it, it's really easy to, you know, hone in on that message and, you know, preach to them because it's like, when you look at your pre pre weights, like that's the, it's kind of a tell all of, you know, how well you've done to help get the energy and the fluids and nutrition back in you. Because if you're three pounds down from the day before, like, well, what did you do? Like, yeah, it was a hard practice, but this is also showing that you didn't recover properly. You're now going into today in a deficit and you have to play catch up. And sometimes it's not always best to play catch up over and over again. It's like, okay, now you weigh in, say you're 305, the next day you're 303. And then the following day, now somehow by an act of God, you're like 310. It's like, oh, well, now, man, I, I did good. It's like, yeah, now you excessively did it and you overdid it. But we want to see consistency, you know, a two pound swing, you know, here and there. Okay, I get it. But if it's just looks like an EKG constantly, that's showing us everything we need to know about what you're doing. Okay, you're not recovering properly. You're not going into practices fueled. You're not doing what you need to do afterwards. And if you're the type of person that loses 10 pounds in a practice and you now come in, you know, two pounds down under, that's not good because you're at risk for one dehydration. And now you're now at risk for soft tissue injuries, heat exhaustion, and the list just kind of goes on and on and on and on. So yeah, again, sorry, again, to get long winded with it, but like, that's why it's so important to us. And that's why like the carbohydrate piece is like the backbone of what we are and what we do, because we have to have them be you know, we have to set the resources up for them to be successful, but we also have to do our part too and kind of educate them on like, this is what this is doing for you. Like it may not taste good, but you know, sometimes I guess it's more joking than anything. I say, if it doesn't taste good, then it probably works. If it tastes good, then eh, I don't know if it tastes terrible, it's probably going to work for you. Every medicine I've ever taken is disgusting. It works. <laughs> That's why. But, uh, um, and it's funny because they're always probably like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So then they just sit there and they choke something down. Um, I have an ABB blue lightning in 1998 right now. You'll, be, you'll know what's really good for you and what's not immediately fast. This stuff needs to be gross. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, so I, 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 I want to go in that direction though, real quick though, because you're bringing up the practical aspect of this all. And like, you know, one of the areas working in college was, the learning curve to realize what is the tolerable limit of what you can get away with. And I'm yeah. sure at your level, like what they learn every single level they go up is them running at 30% capacity. If they're a division one, five-star kid in high school is still better yeah. than everyone else in the field. Them running at that same approach in the college level, 
not going to work out for them. And then if they go up even further, so like the pre and post practice nutrition in high school, if you're a five-star NFL bound guy and a trajectory of like that, you can get away with it. Right. So like the example of Larry Fitzgerald and you know what I would say to that guy, I want to do what Larry Fitzgerald does. Like I would just simply say, Larry Fitzgerald could do what you do. It'll still be Larry Fitzgerald. You can do what you're doing and you're still going to be you. The problem being is like you're associating his success with his plan, not relevant to you. And he can do that because he's that much higher threshold than you. So taking it from a level of like, man, your status or the things that you did pre and post practice in high school relative to the competition does not equate to what you can do at this level. So you have to bring a little bit more effort and you have to bring a little bit more cognitive investment, a little bit more emotional investment every single time and then goes up to the next level like they can get away with so much if they're you know first round draft pick and they go into the dolphins and then all of a sudden you look at them and like man this is such a high level and every single day is so high threshold like those strategies that you had in place like you know you're going to be like the product of what you put in and put out and like man this Mm -hmm. is a cutthroat business and one bad day one bad week one bad month you're gone and all because you didn't want to eat pre and post practice nutrition or hydrate like, that's just silly. And on, it's just like I'm associating what, you know, this guy did and didn't need to do it. But you're not him. You know, like, that's the hard mm-hmm. part. You're not. If you were him, we wouldn't have this conversation of these things. But you're obviously not performing because we're having the conversation. If you're performing, wouldn't be a conversation. Yeah. Another thing. It's so hard to wrap around those guys. Yeah. Another thing I get a lot, too, is like, you know, especially when we do like our, our weigh-ins during training camp is like, well, hey, man, I drank like a couple bottles of water for you. And it's like, dude don't do that for me like like I, I told you that for you so you can utilize that for your advantage like this isn't for me this is for you like i'm not just here collecting weights just to collect weights but you know I, I, we're doing this for a specific reason so that you're able to practice like don't just do stuff because you know i, I mean do it because I, I told you to do it for your benefit but don't just do it just to please me like again like it's for you, man. Not, not, not for me. Like, I'm glad you did it, but and you're better off for it. But just don't do it for me all the time. Like, you have to do it because you want to do it. Like, I'm trying to tell you and educate you so you want to do these things so you can see the benefit of it. So, you know, that's always a challenge in itself. And there's the anecdotal success, too, where, you know, I, I, it was a conversation about, and it was a really good conversation about us revamping our nutrition at USC. You know, and one of the players was like, hey, man, I'm not going to lie. I got hammered drunk the night before a game, and I had 11 tackles in a Pac-12 game. Like, one, like, why are you drinking the night before a game? But two, like, do you think that was the cause of your success, or was that just a day that was an anomaly? Like, we have to decipher between that, right? And the same thing with food. Of Like, I eat hot dogs and hamburgers and chicken fingers, and I, we still win Rose Bowls. Like, yeah, imagine if you didn't eat that and imagine if you weren't hungover. You probably would have had 15 tackles and you'd probably turn those Rose Bowls into national championships. Like, we could play this what-if game all the time, but if there's evidence to support what we're doing is beneficial, what do you got to lose? Why would you associate the worst possible strategy with success as opposed to associating the best possible strategy and then seeing how much further you can push it? But it's always this, like, well, I, in high school, I didn't eat anything before the games and I was all-state. I was all-American. Like, Again, like that association with that is based off the competition, not off of what your level of preparedness was, your upper right. level. That same strategy, you may be that good where you don't have to. Chances are, statistically, you're not. So let's start to do things in preparation for that. 
And, right. you know, that conversation, like, it's always looking at it like, and one of the things about it's about nutrition, specifically with athletes, is there one area of refuge where they actually have autonomy more times than not. So when you tell them to eat something different than when they've done based off of anecdotal success, you're taking one other freedom away. So there's a little bit more of an area where you got to be delicate with it. Like, and I, I'm, I'm really, really like honest and direct uh, to a fault. And it's definitely made a lot of relationships I've had with athletes. Like for all the success stories I've had, I've had a lot of people who were like, probably just, I disenfranchised because I just, I, it's so binary. It's like, this is the way. And then if you don't do that, yeah. it means either you probably don't care or you're not vested enough. And we don't got time for that. And into that level of like the, having empathy and compassion for like, man, I've had really good success doing it this way for a long period of time. So much so I'm playing at the NFL. You know, it's yeah. hard to dispute that. The second thing is like, man, I get told what to do, when to do it, how to do it every single minute of every single day. And now you're telling me the one area where I actually have freedom and I have financial freedom to be able to buy what I want that I can't do it this way. You know, yeah. that's a really heavy thing to figure out and, and navigate. And especially there's cultural aspects of it too. Like, you know, like kids from the South eat fried fatty foods and like, you can talk about like why trans fats are bad or why having foods like fatty foods before practice is not a great idea from mm -hmm. gastrointestinal to gastric stress like, to glycogen, like to all these things, but it doesn't change the fact that this is what we've always done. You know, I'm like, well, that's, yeah. that's what the best players in the world before have done. And like, they'll use like the Wayne Gretzky didn't lift weights kind of analogy of like, you know, like this guy didn't eat fried chicken before every game. And, you know, like Wade Boggs, some sort of chicken before every single game and batted a career average of 300 and had 3,000 hits. Like, he had really good hand-eye coordination. I don't know. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, you're not Wade Boggs. <laughs> like, it's just like that level of like, again, like what works anecdotally for Wade Boggs or this guy. Like, it's not, it's not a universal rule. It's just their specific thing. And I'm not going to argue with you if you have really good results. But the problem would be is if you don't, where is the conversation and how willing are you to change? And I think that's where it gets really tricky and hairy. Um, I, that, no real question off of that, but I kind of want to get into this direction here off of like, you know, the more you were talking and the more I think about like performance, the more I think about this concept of nutrient timing is really based off of, you know, glycogen management, uh, whether it's an anaerobic sport like football, or if it's, I want to build muscle post, or if I want to initiate recovery post, or if I want to have incredible performance for a elongated period of time during a practice or conditioning or training session, you know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of like the timing of a high glycemic or a low glycemic, or maybe a macro view of like how many carbohydrates you want to get in a day, like, you know, what is the thought process of like, all right, I'm going to put high glycemic carbs pre-practice pre to maintain glycogen or, or spare glycogen. I'm going to give out high glycemic carbs during a practice to maintain or spare glycogen. Is there any like, I know it's so granular. It's like, I'm not like testing someone's like muscle biopsy to see how much like muscle glycogen they have. But is there any like thought process of that, like in this very anaerobic sport in terms of like, if we don't do these things, we're going to pay the price severely. Yeah, so I think especially when you're dealing with like football or in team sports, you have to want ha have the science in mind of it. Like, okay, like we're going to provide, you know, it's not like we're going to provide oatmeal during practice or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a lower glycemic type carbohydrate during that time. But like you have the science in mind of it. 
understanding that high glycemic carbohydrates are something that you're going to want to provide going into training sessions during a training session and after training sessions, kind of like that nutrient timing piece is like, this is when it, it makes the most sense, but you also have to have an understanding of, um, you also kind of have to have the understanding of, um, what am I trying to say here of the specific, uh, of the, pa the palate of your players. Sorry, I've kind of I've been getting interrupted by people, but you have to have the palate in mind of your players, what they're going to like, what they're going to do, uh, or know what they're going to take. Um, and that's just that comes through practice. That comes through the application part of it. Is like, okay, I understand the science, what it says, but what products can I source? What can I get that is going to give our players the best competitive advantage? Um, what's going to, what is something that they're comfortable with? What are they going to do? What are, what do I know that they're going to do every single day? Because you can get in, we see this every single time we get a new product in day one, it flies, it goes day two. No one takes a single thing because they've had time to get used to it and, you know, play around with it. And then it's like, Oh God, no, or it messed up my stomach. And it's just like, what is something that, you know, the majority of our players are going to take, but also have an understanding of this is what this group likes. This is what this, you know, type of people gravitate towards. You know, I have people that, you know, want to be more health conscious. So I have to have these options for them, but I'll also have another population that I, I get really doesn't care and, you know, kind of does whatever they want to do. And, but I also want to have in mind, like, you know, the science part of it, but, it doesn't from the you know visual side of it. It doesn't look sciencey. It just looks like you're providing what these guys like to snack on all the time, which is fruit snacks or applesauce or something like that. But like for us, that's how we kind of evaluate that part of it. Is like okay, what is something that you know is something that everyone is going to take, or something that we know the majority are going to take? Because there's all these products that come out that's like, hey, this is based on science. This is based on this. But it's like okay, but you know. So a lot of our players won't take this. Like I know our group, like there's some groups that, that do take it. And you know what, maybe we can get this product because this will appease, you know, so, you know, some of our players, some are more health conscious players, but you know, at the end of the day, like uh, we're not going to invest in all of this stuff like tremendously because really it's not going to move. It's just going to sit there and look pretty. And the presentation of it, it, it is a part of, you know, how you set up things and how you go about, but the same time like you have to have to have that mind or have that you know understanding of you know you have to there's a 90 other people that you have to appease to so when it comes to the pre-practice setup that's where you kind of or pre and during practice setup that's where you have to feel like okay what is something that I know that most of our players are going to take, even when it's, it's hot outside and we have like a little two minute break and all they really want is just water. But at that specific time, you know, they need some form of like carbohydrate intervention. Like, listen, buddy, like you need to get through practice. Like let, let, it's go time here. Like, Hey, have some fruit snacks. Most of the time they don't turn that down. If it's like a gel form or anything, they got to rip apart and do. And you know, so like you tell them ahead of time, like, Hey, this is going to be a little gross. Um, sometimes that does increase compliance because like, all right, you told me ahead of time and it's not a surprise thing, but like, all right, you know, we're going to give you some chews. We're going to do this and you're going to fall out with water and boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of like you accomplish, you know, 
what the science tells you that you're doing. Okay. You're giving them high glycemic carbohydrates. They're going to top off their energy stores. You're also following up with fluids, electrolytes, boom, 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 boom. Like that's the intervention you want. Okay. That's a piece of paper with the science in it. Okay. That's what the application looks like <laughs> in reality. Um, and then when it comes to the post part of it too, it's also that same thing. Like, what do I know that our guys are going to take? Okay. Um, Cause again, the literature and the science can say all this beautiful stuff. But at the end of the day, like a lot of guys, they don't, they, for whatever reason, they can taste protein powders. Personally, in a smoothie, I can't taste anything. I don't know if that's just because I've taken a lot of supplements over in my life and I've just ruined taste buds or I just have the mentality that like taste is just kind of a temporary pleasure. But like I can't taste protein powders in smoothies. But like the majority of the people that, you know, I've worked with in my career every single time they can, but man, I can taste this powder. It's not good. But like, you know, the protein part of it, the carbohydrate piece of it, like post-practice, especially for us coming off of like, you know, a really hard practice in training camp, you're worried about just maximizing the amount of like calories and nutrients that you can get at that specific time, because that's your window of opportunity. But at the same time, like that's where in college and the professional level, it's completely different. Sometimes at the college level, you're trying to just maximize the amount of calories you can get in them at that specific time because there's parts of that day that you really can't control. Okay. Like, you know, the times you can feed them, you know, the types of meals that you can get or snacks or, you know, whatever it is at this point, um, there's only certain things that you can control where I think at this level, it's more about longevity maintenance and, you know, you can kind of get into a lot of the cooler things and adding you know, certain things to shakes and so on and so forth. But, um, it's not always about like, Hey, I, I want to get a thousand calories in this shake. You know, the majority of the time they're not going to consume that for me. It's, you know, kind of the mindset of what do I want? something flavorful, something palatable. I know they're going to take something that's, you know, going to you know, give them that insulin spike, but I also want them to go eat too. Like I almost give the preference to go, all right, get quick recovery in. It's something I know you're going to get and then go eat. I'd rather you go eat. Like when I do way outs, it's just like, okay, go eat something. Go eat, go eat, go eat, go eat. But, you know, that's where the menu part of it and where this role is kind of like, what options are you providing to help them like get the, get the types of food that you want them to get? You know what I mean? So it's like carbohydrate dense type foods like mac and cheese sometimes isn't perceived as the most healthiest thing. But, you know, once in a while, post-practice, especially coming off of two-hour practice in the heat, they need to get their hydration, they need to get calories, they need to get the nutrients you need them to get. Sometimes is that's the best option. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I always tell them, too, it's like if, it, if it's consistent like that every single time and you're choosing like higher fatty, you know, like a mac and cheese type thing over and over and over and over again, then that's where you might see some like uh, some negative effects of it. Okay. But like, you know, after one time or, you know, yeah, if it's like just one, one specific day where it's after hard practice, you time it up correctly, like that's beneficial for you. But let's also look at, you know, what we have else to serve, you know, let's look at our action station where you can kind of build like, whatever you want type thing. Okay. Choose these types of foods because these are the things like one, we need to get the carbohydrates to top off your energy stores because you have to understand as a wide receiver, who's accumulating a lot of sprint yards. That's the 
primary fuel source that you're burning during that session. Okay, so whatever you burn, you need to put back in in its simplest terms. But you also need to look at, you know, getting lean proteins. Okay, what's that going to do for you? We're trying to maximize the absorption. We're not trying to get high dense fatty type stuff because I want those nutrients back in you immediately. Okay, get those proteins, get it digested quickly, and then get all the other flavorful stuff, your fruits and vegetables, or you know, I, that's like a dietitian's favorite thing. Get your fruits and veggies, but it's like, okay, let, let's focus on getting something that's, you know, from a protective standpoint, going to help mend everything back together, especially during training camp. Obviously, there's times like, you know, getting to the weeds with like inflammation. There's not times you want to mitigate it, but remember, you know, thinking about training camp. I'm sorry, for, I'm sorry I'm bringing up training camp so much, but it's like that's the point I'm in right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, chronic accumulation of a lot of things that you're going to get during training camp and in season. That's what, that's what we want to that's, mitigate. That's what we kind of want to, you know, not have accumulate over time to where it's a chronic thing. Um, but that's just the education piece, education piece of it. Um, but if they're the type of person that needs it in a smoothie or whatever, like then you just, that's fine. You know, the, but that's where that understanding of it and talking to them and having that relationship with them kind of comes into play. But, um, from that standpoint, from the practicality side of it, you have to know who you're dealing with. You know, you, that's where you, you can't have the blanketed, oh, here's what we're going to have, here's the options, and, you know, none of it moves. It looks great on social media, and but if no one touches it, then it's not a good thing. If you see a lot of bags of Chipotle in the trash can in your facility, that's not a good thing. That means they're going out like, getting food elsewhere and they're probably not making good decisions and you know, so on and so forth. But the joke on the Chipotle yeah. is it's a local organic Miami uh, Mexican food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, like you're hitting on like, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but like, you know, what ultimately I got from that was this convergence of a practical and, you know, theory, you know, this side of, side of it, like, of, okay, I have a true North and what I'm trying to do from, a caloric intake expenditure or a caloric intake aspect, macronutrient aspect, but then I'm mixing that with what I can do and be successful more times than fail. Because if it's just like myopic and focus in terms of hundred percent, this is what we need to do with no compliance. It's a crappy strategy, right? It's like in the weight room of like, I have the perfect program, but it's crappy technique or poor like comprehension. So they don't know the sets and wraps or they don't execute. It's a crappy plan, right? So you need the marriage of two, right? Like a, and a well thought out, well constructed concept matched with like, you know, honestly, just the art of sales, right? Like one being observant to what the patterns and the, and the aspects that resonate with that specific team, right? Like for instance, with you, Ken, at USC, like, man, it wasn't a big thing for us because they couldn't understand the rationale as to why they needed it versus army. Like it's amazing of like the anecdotal, like, success and spread right so we had one guy um incredibly smart guys this guy was literally doing carbohydrate backloading so if you're not familiar with it essentially it's just you fast all day and then you have a a pretty much complete meal with carbohydrates at night that's it so it's <laughs> fasting all day um and it's I mean, and to be fair this guy was a fullback and five foot ten I uh, could get all the way up to 260 pounds and honestly it wasn't fat like I mean, this kid was probably hovering between six mm -hmm. to 10% body fat year round, but he'd be mm -hmm. as upwards to 260. And, you know, we really want him at 235, 240 ish. Uh, but 
man, he sucked at practice and he had a lot of soft tissue stuff and he's a pretty tough kid. So he pushed through. I'm like, man, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> like what is the raw mechanics of what you're trying to do? It's just manage mm-hmm. insulin, right? So let's try to utilize, at least you can pre-practice. And we went through the whole premise of glycogen, the whole premise of managing insulin. Like we can have glycogen somewhat like topped off without having to want it or shock up insulin. So the reason why yeah. I think you're gaining so much weight is just because you're so anabolic. Like Mary lacks myostatin or he's just got incredible my, uh, mTOR pathways or his glute 4 transporters mm-hmm. are through the roof. Whatever variable is when he eats food, it just manifests into you know, basically like animal proteins like all over his body. Mm-hmm. Like I like doesn't negate the fact that you're sucked during practice. And if you mm-hmm. want to play at a high level, like there's not much more ways around it. We got to eat something before. And we went through UCAN and the logic behind it. And he was a really smart guy and he was a West Point kid. So he's like, all right, that seems fair enough. Let me try it. Felt great. Told the yeah. guys like, man, that's the magic sauce right there. And man, every single kid was like begging us to give him a packet of UCAN every single practice. And it was like, all right, this is awesome. You know, but like for that level of compliance, like, you know, it's the art of sales. It's the art of like, okay, here's the rationale. I can understand that. Now, how do I articulate this and get this guy to buy into that? And it has his ups and downs, you know, like Thursday practice, the guy's just tired and beat up and he doesn't, he's tired of like sticking to the routine, maybe at a crappy day or something like that. Like he's not as emotionally invested into getting there and getting as you can 45 minutes beforehand and going through his movement prep and then making sure he's going through his stuff and installing meetings like the level he should. He's probably across the board running at a level suboptimally, but more times than not, and I think this goes into this other big view of like, we talked about chronic, getting a macro view of like, what is like, in, over course of day to day, we can get so like minute and my, like mm-hmm. microscopic with like evaluating success. But if macro wise, we're moving in the right direction. Like if you come out of preseason camp with a guy that was at risk for injury, like he had a couple of hamstrings the year before or whatever other variables that like, go into that and or a guy who wants to gain weight during the course of preseason and he has like one day where he tips the scale lighter than he should have been versus at the end of camp he weighs in more like man it's like it's so hard to do especially when you're in the thick of it like on a day-to-day basis and it's important to have like mini goals to get you to the macro goal but if we look at week to week month to month a phase period of like preseason to end season like that value there is really well and a story off of that and another kind of like thing of why we differentiated between high glycemic and low glycemic carbs or not insulin packing starches versus very insulin packing starches. We had a guy, uh, we just GPS him in army and this guy's actually a 400 meter, like a pretty high level recruited like 400 meters, like sprinter at army actually just walked on the football program ended up becoming a really good football player, but we're talking 47 second 400 meter. I mean, the guy could run and like, and he's playing wide receiver, playing a little DB, playing all special teams. And then we GPSed him just to see how much he was running. I swear to God, he was running upwards to five to six miles of practice. And, and the way we set it up was we had a practice field and a game field, another practice field. And he's just going all over the place, like transitioning. He was always jogged to the next place, right? So, I mean, he's doing low intensity jogging for about five miles of practice. It's like, man, like we got to treat you like a marathoner if we're just going to run like this. And carbohydrates, like, Either we're going to go all in ketogenic, which I don't recommend because we definitely need to be like somewhat anaerobic here. Um, but we need to get you through these transitional periods. So like when we took a high glycemic approach, like conversely to the kid who wasn't like eating anything all day, like, all right, man, let's get you some fruit snacks, let's get you some chews, let's get you some stuff. What do you need during practice? Woman always have a powery bottle next to you. Like, 
and I'm treating him like literally like running station, like the marathon at the 20 mile, 20 mile mark. Like, here you go, keep running. Like, and like the guy ended up playing all through preseason, like a hamstring guy. Like he actually had born with an ACL, like just a weird anomaly. They came down wrong and MRI is like, or they actually um, MRI his leg and like he didn't have an ACL. I thought he tore it. He's like, no, I've never had one. He didn't tell us until he got to this, but yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like, if like we just look at the GPS, like twenty to thirty miles a week during the course of preseason, man, like that's that's cross country running team type stuff, man. Like, yeah. so I got to treat him bioenergetically like I would a cross country runner, and then off season mm-hmm. conditioning wise, like I'll be damned if I didn't make sure that we improved our high our overall volume of running with our skill guys to get their mm-hmm. workloads up to that. We needed to meet the nutritional needs of that too. So from a macro standpoint, like. The kid's burning 5,000 calories a day at 180 pounds. That's what we got to do. And we're yeah. building these gaps with carbohydrates. And the best way to get someone to eat more is just give them high glycemic carbs and start this insulin roller coaster because he's going to start getting hungry and start wanting to eat more. And as opposed to like just not eating, and then it starts this perpetual cycle of not being hungry and then he won't eat and then all of a sudden he gets hurt. So it's like that, like just looking at that. And then some guys are like, no, I just want to eat what that guy eats. And like, uh, let's try it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then it just tips the scales in whatever direction it goes. And then you have to manage the perception of what that is. Like, man, that guy's a really good player. Like, I want to do what he does. Or that guy's not good. He's doing this. I don't want to do what he's doing. And like, mm-hmm. just keep going back. Like, well, okay, well, this is a work in progress. This guy's a finished product, so to speak, relatively speaking. Let's look yeah. at where you fall somewhere in that middle. Like, hopefully. Yeah. And, the power of peer influence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, kind of want to like you know kind of wrap this up a little bit um uh because this has been really I, I think the beautiful part about all this is like you know we it, no matter what organically evolves into like what you're doing on a daily basis and i think that is just more powerful than itself you know in in terms of like i, I just think let's just go off season get you a little bit off topic like you got a guy who let's just do the fun stuff we got a guy who wants to gain weight right so like you know what what buttons are you pushing from a nutrient timing standpoint for a guy who is that, you know, basically like never had a good college training program, never really lifted weights or never really bought into it or never committed to a year round process of doing it. What big rocks are you doing with that guy from a nutrient standpoint to get that guy ready to go for the next year? Yeah. So I think number one, you have to build a relationship with them to get them to do anything. Um, so that the trust and, you know, that their, their belief in you as a person um, is solidified. Like that has to be done before you can do anything because you can be the, the smartest person in the room, but if you, one, don't follow through with what you do and kind of you don't practice what you preach, you don't, you know, follow up with them and trying to hold them accountable to things then everything you're about and what you do, your philosophy is just completely out the door. So when you kind of have to build a relationship with them and, you know, really kind of go from there and that one takes time. So it may be kind of a longer type thing, but, you know, I think for me, it's just kind of feeling like, you know, what are, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And that's where you kind of have to talk to them and get a feel of like, okay, you know, here's where they're at. Here's kind of their readiness to, you know, do things, you know, what have you done before? What's worked for you? What do you like? What do you don't like? Um, what do you want to try? What are you willing to try? What are you willing to do? Um, where do you feel like you're struggling? So I think there's a lot of questions that kind of go into 
that whole part, that whole process of, you know, trying to get, you know, from a nutrient timing standpoint, you know, what have you done going into lifts? You know, we talk about college, like what, what did that look like? Or talk about high school, because that's where it all started for, that's the longest period where this whole thing started. Like, what did you do going into games and so, or practices or, you know, whatever it was, it's like, mm, well, nothing. Okay. Well, how did you feel? Well, mm, I felt great. Well, it's just kind of the education piece. Here's what we, we can do. You know, here's the offerings. Here's, you know, boom, 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 boom. Let's call it. You can, okay. We have this, you can supplement. It can help with energy. Okay. In it's simplest terms. It helps you have energy during practice. Okay. It's just a carbohydrate supplement. It's not anything crazy. I think with those type of people that are kind of really resistant to like change and resistant to, you know, what you're trying to tell them to do, they haven't really done anything. Um, so you have to be transparent about everything. You know, here's what we have. Here's what it can do. You know, let's, let's say, let's try it your way once. And then let's try it my way once just to see, you know, if you feel the difference and, you know, let's do it, just give them a goal. And then let's, do it for like a week or something like that, or just a couple of days. All right, cool. Usually most of the time they're susceptible to that kind of stuff. And I've just learned it's the transparency part of it. Cause if you just try and push them on some stuff, then they're like, no, you're like a, this is like a salesman. Like, no, like I'm not going to do that. Then they're really resistant. And then that just causes to me kind of a cascade effect of, you know, it's just snowballs into one thing you don't really want it to snowball into. So to me, it's kind of that, that readiness and willing to change part of it. And you, more of the times than not, they're going to open up about the things that they want to change. Okay. Well, some of some guys that are like, well, I know I just, uh, I know I don't eat good. Uh, I know I have to change that part of it. It's like, all right, well, what part of that? I'm going to latch on to that part of it. What part are you, you willing to change, want to change? And what can I help you with? What can I help you be accountable towards? And more times than not, that just kind of helps you build that relationship. All right, well, we can try this. Well, I'm not a vegetable guy. Okay, well, you can either eat it, blend it, or supplement with it. I have options for all these things. So would you be willing? Do you like smoothies? Yep. Okay. Can I put this spinach or powder in there that kind of helps with it? Yeah, cool. As long as I won't taste it. Great. I'll find a solution for that. And I think that's what they kind of want to hear. So to me... That, that's kind of the process to it. It's build a relationship with them, kind of see where they're at from a readiness standpoint and find some things that, you know, they want to change. You have to have that conversation where they, they bring that up because then that's their idea. That's, you can hold that against them. And not that I'm holding it against them. I don't want that to get communicated wrong. Well, you're but holding it's like, against themselves, right? Like you said. Yeah, you're, you're holding it against them. And so yeah. it's like, this is, this is kind of your idea. You mentioned to me that this is something that you want to change. You know you struggle with. Um, also bringing up, especially if they're like a rookie or something, bringing veterans into it too. It's like, look at this guy. Okay. He used to eat like 10 voodoo chips a day. Now he doesn't, he felt the, the hardship of his rookie year he struggled. His weight was all over the place. Now he got a chef and now he got this. He started to eat right. You bring the veteran to it. Like, yeah, man, like I, I had to learn the hard way. Like you'll learn, like you can keep doing what you're doing, but like just, just so you know, like I went through the exact same thing you're going through. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's always nice to have that second voice of it. So to me, this is recap. It's just, you build a relationship, you find, you know, if their willingness to change, 
the parts that they're bringing up, you have to get that part out of them. Like, what do you want to change? They bring it up, you latch onto it, you make that the goal. And usually once you accomplish that thing, the next thing occurs and it's just, it snowballs into where you want it to go more than anything. So for the guys that have a hard time changing, like that's, you know, kind of the process. It's, you, and if you come to them about it, it, it that helps too, which is just like, you know, I, Hey, I, I'm here to help you. It's like, it's not, you know, I'm just doing this because I have to, it's because I want to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think this is an interesting closing point here. So you mentioned the beginning of the podcast about like spending time, you know, researching, but really focusing on the day to day and the job. And, you know, what I just heard right there from like a, almost like a case study perspective, of you just focused on the relationship and focused on the reframing of that, making that individuals over yours, and then really looking at like troubleshooting and managing this in the goods and the bads. Uh, I'd be remiss to say that you probably didn't get much of that other than maybe like a psychological course here and there, like a small touch on it and uh, basic nutrition undergrad or even graduate Mm -hmm. school. So, you know, would that be like, and you, say, Hey, this is way too out of bounds. But like, would that be something along the lines of like on a day-to-day basis when you're actually in your vocation now being a nutritionist, like it's the stuff that you learn on the job that you actually have to focus on and prioritize because it's such a necessity and the understanding of the actual nuance and the science and the theory behind it becomes like, you know, almost not less than, but like understood and accepted. Like you surviving at that level is more of understanding how you can relate to people and and work with people as opposed to like understanding how much carbohydrates are directly needed today for your wide receiver starting like is that a fair statement yeah i I believe that's fair but i I think it's a a balancing piece of it so i think understanding the science and the literature like is a very important part of the job and like i'll be the first to say too that like you know i think you and i were talking about this earlier before we hop on like you know, I, I fell out of it for a little bit. Um, sometimes I do catch myself falling out of like, you know, staying, trying to stay up to date with everything, which is, is, it's a part of the job to stay up to date, you know, with everything. But I think you get so lost in your own daily routine with like trying to manage guys, you're sometimes have to put out fires or you're trying to, you know, manage this, you know, very important guys like weight and what he's doing. And, um, so on and so forth. Then you just get so caught up in, I think you said it best, the nuances of your everyday job. Like, yeah, it, sometimes you have to, sometimes things have to get put on the back burner. Unfortunately, sometimes like, again, I'll be the first to admit that I put trying to stay up to date with like research and stuff like that, just because what you're trying to accomplish from like in a team style setting and you have to put that as a priority, like team travel and, the logistics at the hotel, making sure that this particular person has this particular food at this meal. And if that's not out, then, okay, well, you're going to get screamed at, or, you know, that's not going to be, the perception is just not going to look, it's going to look like you're not doing your job. But, you know, sometimes that's not always the case. Sometimes it is. And it's just like, that's that balancing piece of it is like, you have to manage your time where it's like, okay, devote, find, throughout the week what's the day that I have the most time okay can I just do like an article a week or something like that just to stay up to date to refresh my brain because 
I think I said it to you as well, because it's like, God, man, if you don't exercise that part of like thinking and like then your day, like, or just like that part of, you know, research, like you're going to lose it. You're going to look back and look through like old notes and like old notes from like college. And you're like, Oh my God, like I didn't even like, I didn't remember that. Like, Oh my God, I haven't seen this in forever. I haven't had to use it. Um, like a complete left field question, like Krebs cycle, go what? Like, wait, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, I, I, no, I, yeah, no, no, I can't answer that right now. Yeah, like I uh, couldn't even tell you glycolysis. The only thing I remember <laughs> glycolysis, like it splits into two after aldolase. Like it's the only thing I remember. Sometimes it's like, um, but yeah. Um, but that, that point though, I think it's a really yeah. interesting topic because like there's probably going to be someone who's listening to this who aspires to have what you have, and. Yeah when you really look at it, like they're seeing like the snapshot of what they perceive it to be like you on the sideline or you yeah. in front of a display of like all the great like resources you have or in front of a body Dexa or like all these other cool tools that you may have. Yeah. And like, they see that like, Oh man, like if I had that much resources or I've had that much, like only got to work with 90 guys, like, Oh man, like what I could do. Right. And the same thing, like, well, I got, yeah. yeah, I get so many calls all the time. Like, man, I want to open up my own business. Like here's what I want you to understand is no longer a strength coach. You are a small business owner. You got to make sure you have toilet paper before you make sure the program's perfect. Bottom line. And most people don't want to see the actual like day to day or they choose to overlook that. And what becomes a real struggle is when you're in that day to day and really fighting, I mean, fighting, like it's your ass is on the line every single day, right? Like if there's something that someone doesn't approve of from like, the owners down to the GM or the president to GM down to the head coach to the players that like it's either missing or wrong or at the wrong time, man, like you can get burned and get destroyed and you lose your job just like that. Same thing in me. If I have a customer give a bad review because we don't have towels or we don't have like disinfectant spray or we don't have toilet paper, like it doesn't matter how good my program is. Like you're running on such like these like cliff of like performance things that are just more effort and more tedious so it's mm-hmm. so easy to lose sight off of the things that why you got into the first place of these guys in Gold's Gym at like 12 and 13 years old, just trial troubleshooting and trial and error and like experimenting and have a super curious perspective of like, what if I time carbohydrates here? What if I do this high glycemic there? What if I do this protein now? What if I take this supplement? Like you can get so detached from that just from, all right, this is most priority. This is the most important priority because if I don't do this, I lose this. And when you're evaluating, I want to be a nutritionist at the NFL level, or I want to be a gym owner, I want to be a college trend coach, name it, whatever someone's listening to this for is, you know, ask them like what your day looks like and how are you successful? How did you get to this point? And in my opinion, I think you just said it is like, I focused on what worked. I focused on connecting to that person, framing it in his mindset, looking at what are the big rocks I can do, having success and looking at it from the perspective of like, if I can't get this guy eating, it doesn't matter what's the best protocol. Like he's got to eat something or if I, if he doesn't, he's going to get hurt or underperform either way. I'm not facilitating my role here. So I'm going to yeah. give him, I'm going to give him fruit snacks during practice. I don't care. I'm going to do what works because the, the net, the alternative is I don't have a job to be able to come up with that stuff. So from that perspective, and then you find creative solutions. Like, all right, like here's a high glyc, uh, not in, insulin impacting starch like you can, or, here's a thing that's compliant with NFL standards that I can give to our athletes from a supplemental standpoint or a food standpoint. I can make up for 
you know, vasodilators by giving guys beetroot juice or beetroot powder, like stick it into a shake. Like, man, like awesome, like cool idea. Like you just mm-hmm. hack the system. And to that level, you just got to get, you know what your true north is, you know what performance is, and you just got to find creative solutions. But right. I, I find so many young coaches that just look at the, oh, you can set your own schedule. Like you can have a morning routine and like you can narrow hack your way through this. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's it's pretty rough. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of 4 a.m.s, a lot of 10 p.m.s, and uh, a lot of calls, a lot of emails, and a lot of stuff on a day to day basis, like mopping and sweeping. And yeah. small business owner, man, like, it's not like sexy. It's just, it's work. It's like everything right. else. And, uh, and whether it's like we create this like blinder effect of like we only see what we want to see and we only want to, we only envision that what it's going to be. And then we get a perspective of like, if I had what you have and I was at your level, what I would do, like, all right, good. Well, talk to me when you're in this situation or you're sitting in the yeah. seat because everyone's got an opinion until they're actually the person doing it, you know, yeah. that perspective. And it, and it's like, I don't think it's necessarily the role of this like medium to go, oh man, like scare it straight. Like you don't want to be a small business owner. You don't want to be an NFL nutritionist, but it's more of a role of like giving a real practical and a realistic like view of like what is actually the job yeah. and still having that like, I always use a, a huge litmus for strength conditioning coaches. Like if you're a strength coach and you don't like to lift weights, I probably will not respect you a whole lot because you yeah. lost the love of the thing that you're doing this for. Like you got to be dog ass tired and want to train someone eight hours a day and still go, okay, I'm going to get a lift in. Regardless if it's just like literally upper body or bicep and triceps, like that you have this inner drive. Like at the end of the day, man, I'm a guy at Gold's Gym at 13 years old, banging weights after school figuring it out still to this day. And I still have to do that. I don't lose that because I have all this other stuff in my plate. And, you know, I find that is like, like, all right, do you still eat clean? Do you still eat healthy? Like you have, like, it's a, it's incredibly ironic. Like when you know as much about nutrition as you probably do. And I'm just tired. I need something hedonic. I need something just to reward me. Like, I don't care. I'm having mac and cheese as a team. And And I think it's all part of the greater scheme. But that's a residual impact. Like if you're not practicing what you're preaching on a continuous basis and understanding like the short-term ramifications of like a, a joyful meal, like and the same thing of like I'm gonna take a day off, I need a recovery day. Like you're seeing the bigger picture. But I've seen so many strength coaches who hate to lift, and I see so many people who quote unquote know a lot about nutrition who don't eat well or eat like crap or don't practice what they preach. I'm like you lost the love, man. You lost the love. The grind is like grind is beating you down. You know what was once there is gone and. I don't know how to reincarnate that for you. And you know, that, that feeling of like, you, you sound like, all right, man, like I, I still have this urge and this craving to go out there and educate and invest time into the research. And like, you know, that right there itself, just that like external pressure, that's something in the back of your mind is saying like, all right, when you do have time, when I get through this like crucible of preseason and not pouring 12 hour days, seven days a week of like, and not just making sure the fruit snacks are ordered or if I'm like having enough product to get through and go to that road trip to Tampa or wherever else we're going for a, a, a scrimmage. Like, okay, I'm gonna crack open the book. I've been sitting on my desk. I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna read those articles got sent to me. I'm gonna go through this different product that might be coming down the pipeline to make sure that it's good and like going and troubleshooting and calling other, other nutritionists and trainers and saying, hey, do you use this? How do you use it? Walk me through that. And like, mm-hmm. I think that there in itself is like, you know, if you still have that drive, like, you know, you did what you found the right thing to do, man. Like, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, right. But like, I always tell that to our interns, like, if you still want to lift after getting up five days in a row at 4 a.m. and then coaching for six to eight hours straight, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just right. go through the crucible, make it through. Trust me. 
I still want to lift after pulling a 60 hour a week of being a small business owner, making sure the, the light bulbs are in, I know I'm doing the right thing. You know? right. And, I, and I think that process right there is hopefully something that's resonating across the board. Cause we, we wanted to talk about nutrient timing here, but you went so deep on like the interpersonal skills and the connecting to the person or the client, the stuff that like from a practical standpoint, what works and doesn't work and still getting in there. Like I know for a fact that they're getting the right amount of nutrients at the right time because it's working, right? Like the, the guys wouldn't be playing if they weren't. So like that premise right there, um, man, like I, I, I think I'm, I, I gotta stop myself from being so long with it, but hey, um, any closing thoughts, anything you want to like land the plane here with on, on this part? Um, I just appreciate your time and, uh, and yeah. honestly, this is awesome. No, I mean, I, I appreciate you having me on. I think it's just any closing thoughts. Like if there's anyone that's like looking to get into nutrition and whatnot, that you just have to, I, I mean, my advice is, I mean, you have to kind of like what you were talking about and alluding to kind of go through those experiences and you have to kind of go through the, the crucible experiences, the, the, the hard ones and understand too that like, you know, working in team setting is completely different than working in the private sector or working with someone that's one-on-one -on -one and like the mentality and the mindset that you have to have is just far different, far, far, far different than what any article or any journal or anything would tell you or what your perception of it would be because the games are only just one day of what, you know, actually goes into, you know, the other six days. Um, and, you know, because it's like sometimes like sports nutrition, sometimes you get like a bad rap of like, oh, they're just like sugar providers. And it's like, well, you know, it's our, our jobs are different than what you think it is. And it's not all glamour and glory all the time. And I'm not talking negatively about, you know, my job. I love what I do. I mean, I, just like you, I get up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning to, you know, to get a lift in and then, you know, carry on the rest of my day because I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people that I work with, you know, work for a fantastic organization and allow, they allow me to do what I want to do. But like the parts that you don't see are just like the, it's, it's different. Just like when you're talking about, you're like, you're, you own your own gym, but you now you're a private business or you're, you're a private business owner. Now your, your mentality is different. The, the priorities change the, the top of the, the thing. The first thing that you have to do in the day is not what you would think that you would have to do, but you have to do it just to make sure one, you have resources and all that kind of stuff. So I'll end with that. Just, you know, if anyone's looking to get into nutrition you just understand too, like it's, it's different. Sometimes you have to put aside the foodie and then you have to go in another direction. I tell you what, fruit snacks are not foodie. I tell you that much. Yeah. You put them in a mason jar maybe, but <laughs> then it's different. And put but, a filter uh, on it. Put a food filter on it, man. The exactly. mason jar of fruit snacks looks pretty sick, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And now um, you be super careful with like how you're allocating that fruit jar snacks. Uh, exactly. Angel uh, packs are back in popularity. Here we go. Yeah, and I want people to know too. I'm not getting a stock in fruit snacks or anything. <laughs> just so you know, like <laughs> it's just an easy example for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, man, I, I just appreciate you having me on here. Um, it's fun. Second podcast, dude. Yeah, <laughs> ready to awesome. rock and roll for the next one, man. Uh, that's awesome, man. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Uh, so we'll close there, man. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed.